Let's pray. Father, I do pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our salvation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's an old saying that youth is wasted on the young. The youth don't know how good they have it because their youthfulness is all they've known. And they mistakenly think that their youth will last forever. They are still too immature to really appreciate being young. So says the older generation who are jealously longing to experience again the carefree days of our own youth. We can remember having a spring in our step, the exhilaration of pursuing our dreams without anything to hinder us, the freedom to make our plans without much forethought, and the joy of living life with our friends. It used to drive me absolutely nuts when my daughters would make these plans on the spur of the moment, like you'd ask them, Five minutes earlier, what are you doing? And they would have these one plans. And then five minutes later, they're walking out the house to do something completely different. And it just drove me crazy. But they had that freedom to, to make the plans without much forethought. But it would, be, would have been nice if they'd give a little uh, thought to the parents. This morning... We're going to have a battle between the generations. In chapter 11, Solomon is going to admonish the older among us in verses 7 and 8. But then he's going to turn around and he's going to admonish the younger among us in verses 9 and 10. In chapter 12, Solomon is going to go on and he's going to continue speaking to the younger crowd. But I've got a feeling that the older among us will feel like they're the ones who are taking it on the chin when we get to chapter 12. The admonition that Solomon gives to the old and to the young in chapter 11 centers around his commands for us to rejoice and to enjoy our lives. He tells the older ones among us in verse 8, However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. In verse 9, Solomon tells the younger crowd, You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. It might be surprising to hear God commanding us to enjoy our life. Who wouldn't want to have a happy an enjoyable life. But there are many who choose not to be happy. There are many who are so controlled by their circumstances that they have taken, uh, they have not taken the time to look above their circumstances, to look to the one who holds their circumstances in his hands. In verses 7 and 8, Solomon addresses the older generation. So he says in chapter 11, Light is sweet 
and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Now, the ESV could have done a better job uh, of capturing the sense of verse 8. The ESV seems to say, whether you're young or whether you're old, enjoy all the years of your life. But the original Hebrew uh, says something a little different. The original Hebrew says, if a man should live to be many years old, he should enjoy all the years of his life. And so Solomon is clearly addressing the older ones among us here in verses 7 and 8. Solomon knows that getting old is difficult. As Jack Graham likes to tell me, getting old is not for sissies. You look at the uh, second half of verse 8. Solomon knows that there will be many dark days in old age. There will be weeks when an infection will keep you in bed. There will be aches and pains that will never go away. There will be a multitude of complications that confront you every day because your body has become weakened uh, to do the things so that it's not able to do the things that the younger people take for granted. And it's tempting to become discouraged. And frustrated. It's easy to live perpetually with a pessimistic outlook on life. It's common for many as they grow older to sink into hopelessness and depression. Solomon commands you to reject that response to getting older. If a man should live to be many years old, Solomon says that he should enjoy all the years of his life. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Then at the end of Psalm 91, the psalmist says, Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him. Because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So here in Psalm 91, the psalmist is reminding us that he's with us. Whether we're young or particularly here in Psalm 91, when we are older. Your God is sufficient for all the great difficulties and dark days of old age. The key is learning to rejoice in God every day, even as you struggle through the difficulties of age. The first uh, verse of Psalm 118 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And then in the last two verses of Psalm 118, He says, You are my God, and I will give thanks to You. You are my God, and I will extol You. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. 
for His steadfast love endures forever. Whether you are young, whether you are old, whether you are middle age, your God loves you. His steadfast love endures forever. This call to rejoice is not limited to the older generation, but also to the younger among us. So verses 9 and 10. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. This might be surprising that the younger generation needs to be commanded to rejoice. They have their strength. Their future is full of possibilities and their hearts are full of good cheer and laughter. But the life of the young can turn in and devour itself. Pursuing happiness only for happiness' sake can run into disaster. Many young people in the pursuit of happiness buy on impulse. And when they have no money, credit card companies offer them a credit card or three uh, so that they can continue pursuing their happiness. Additionally, our culture is telling young people to pursue the immediate pleasure of sex without making the long-term commitment of marriage. Buying on impulse or uh, pursuing the uh, pleasure of sex out of marriage will always have consequences that will um, later on overcome the joy that was promised in the moment. The least happy people are those who most strenuously pursued their own happiness without God being the object of their joy. Look at the world with all its unhappiness, with all its evil. All, all that we see in the world with this unhappiness and evil is the cumulative result of seven billion people pursuing their happiness without God. People aren't pursuing their unhappiness. They're pursuing their happiness without God. And look at what it brings to the world. We see people in our society that are just broken. Well, they didn't pursue personal brokenness. They pursued their own happiness without God. Brings consequences. That's why Solomon says in verse 9, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Actually, the Hebrew, uh, the, the, the actual Hebrew includes the definite article. Literally it is, and God will bring you into the judgment. Speaking of uh, the great and final judgment. Seeking happiness will go, without God will lead to consequences in this life and those consequences will follow you into eternity. So seek to follow the ways of your heart. And whatever your eyes see, do those things. 
but keep God first. Solomon's not saying uh, that God is a killjoy. He's saying here um, that... uh, I'm sorry. um, Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. He's saying do this. But he's saying also remember that God is the, the judge. And if you pursue your happiness without God, that those consequences will follow you to the day of judgment. You know, the doctrine of Christian joy is a much overlooked resource that God has given us to grow in Christ. Paul in, in Romans chapter 12 verse 12 tells us, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. These three things are uh, joined at the hip. When we know that we belong to God, when we know that He loves us, and when we know that all His great and precious promises are ours in Christ, then we can rejoice in Him. Notice in Romans 12, Paul tells us to rejoice in hope. Hope is forward-looking. Hope is future-oriented. The hope where we are to center our rejoicing is in eternity. We belong to Christ for all future eternity. Every sin, every pain, every tinge of arthritis, every weakness, every fear is removed in our eternal future. We don't cast our hope into the present moment. We cast our hope into the future. Into Christ where He is seated at the Father's right hand. And His promises will pull us through until we receive all of His great and precious promises that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Listen to Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4. John says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be them as their God. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. In Christ, our faith is anchored in these promises. And there's a tight elasticity to our faith. We cast our faith into Christ. We cast our faith into His promises. And our faith pulls us closer and closer to Jesus. Christ is our rock. We cast our faith into Him. He is immovable. And what He does is because of the the elasticity of our faith, it pulls us forward toward Him. The picture I'm getting at, and I'm having a hard time explaining, is the picture from Pilgrim's Progress where Christian walks into the slob despondence like quicksand. And he can't get out. 
And there's nothing he can do to get himself out. All he can do is trust. And that's what our faith is, is, is trust. It cast, faith cast our anchor into Jesus Christ. But in my mind's eye, and this is not in Pilgrim's Progress, but in my mind's eye, I see it as like a rubber band with a tight, strong elasticity. So that as, as Christians in the slob despond, in the quicksand, his faith in Christ is pulling him forward when he himself can do nothing to help himself. So we cast our faith into Christ and his promises, and our faith pulls us closer and closer to Jesus. As our faith pulls us closer to Christ, it pulls us past the temptations and sins that so easily entangle. It pulls us, as our faith pulls us toward Christ, it pulls us past the ravages and difficulties of old age. As our faith pulls us closer to Christ, it pulls us through the despondency of depression. As our faith pulls us closer to Christ, it helps us to be patient in tribulation, to be constant in prayer. The power of our forward-looking, our faith-oriented faith, our future-oriented faith is our joy in the Lord. In other words, what I'm saying is, when the Lord is our joy and our delight, a lot of the temptations, a lot of the struggles, we run right past them because our eye is fixed on Jesus. We're able to avoid those um, those difficulties. We're able to be pulled out of our, um, of our troubles because we're looking to Christ and we have our joy in Him and our faith just keeps pulling us forward. In the book of Nehemiah, the people listened to the Word of God being read and they were overcome with grief because of their sin. And Nehemiah said to the people, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, the joy of the Lord empowers you in your repentance as well as in your hope. The joy of the Lord pulls us forward. And so he says in verse 8, If you're older and you're struggling... Enjoy the day, the years of your life. If you're younger and you're tempted to uh, go along with the flow of culture, rejoice in the Lord and the Lord will pull you out of the flow of culture and into the flow of His grace. You know, I'm talking about uh, joy. I'm talking about uh, the future, this might be a place for me to shamelessly plug my Sunday school class on living in heaven. Uh, we're going to spend the next 13 weeks looking at what the Bible says uh, about what it will be like to live in heaven. And so I hope to make that class edifying as uh, well as interesting. Because thinking about our eternal destiny thinking about the fact that we will live in eternity, in heaven with God, with those we love for eternity, can help pull us past the struggles, 
that we experience here in this life. Pull us past the temptations that uh, seemingly uh, overcome us so often. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, Paul continues talking to the young people. But it might be hard for the older generation to hear. But Solomon's talking to the young people because he, and he tells them to remember their Creator in the days of their youth because he knows that the young people, and young people, I want your attention this morning. I especially want your attention because Solomon is speaking to the young people. You're young now. But as you grow older, you'll grow more set in your ways. The choices that you make in youth tend to harden into foundational lifestyles as you get older. You choose friends who make the same choices as you when you're younger. Therefore, to change your lifestyle and change your choices will likely be very disruptive to those relationships. You've built habits that become a source of comfort for you as you grow older. And those habits can be very hard to break. And so Solomon says here in verse 1 of chapter 12, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. What Solomon is saying is he's encouraging you. He's admonishing you. He's commanding you to remember your Creator during the more plastic period of your youth. To make his point, Solomon says that all you young people are heading toward old age. One day turns into a week. A week turns into a month, a month turns into a year, years turn into a decade, and you're older before you know it. You say, well, it can't happen to me. All the older people around here said the same thing when we were your age. When you are younger, when you are, are trying to figure things out. Solomon says, remember your Creator then. Many young people have this strategy of saying, I'll remember my Creator once I get married. Well, what happens if you marry someone who's a non, non-Christian? Because your values and their values mesh up and then you try and go in a different direction. It becomes very hard. I've sat across from many, um, many a husband and many a wife who were married to an unbeliever. And the one partner is going one way and the other partner is going the other way. And then you try and raise children when you're going in two opposite directions. It's tough. Brings a lot of sadness. Or as you're laying the foundational planks of your life, 
Lay them with godliness. Don't go off on your own way, off the the path, away from the Lord, with the world. It's hard to come back. I became a Christian during my freshman year in college. I'm not exactly sure why I became a Christian. I had the 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 plan of waiting until I got out of college, waiting till I got married and started having children before I was going to really live for the Lord. The Lord in His mercy came and grabbed me during my freshman year in college. I had been looking forward to leaving the house, going away to Georgia Southern College, 200 miles away from my parents, and the Lord grabbed my life, and I haven't looked back since. In fact, uh, my wife and my children um, are living a much happier life because I remembered my Creator in my youth. I wish I had remembered Him earlier in my life. So He says, remember your Creator during the plastic period of your youth, before you're old, before you're set in your ways, and certainly before you are nearing death. In verses 2 through 5, he uses poetic heightening to to urge us to remember our Creator before it's too late. In verse 2, Solomon says that getting old is like heading into a great storm where the sun and the light Grow, uh, grow dark because of the clouds. And then the rain approaches and then it rains like crazy. But instead of clear blue skies, along comes another storm. And he says that's what's, what it's like to be older. You endure one storm and there's another one coming. You endure one hardship and there's another on the way. Sometimes they are, there's hardship built on hardship built on hardship before one storm ends, another one has uh, invaded your life. And then in verse 3, he changes the metaphor and he compares old age to a dilapidated house. I'll read verses uh, 3 through 5. I'll start with uh, verse 1 where He says, remember your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. But for the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinders is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and the terrors are in the way, and the almond tree blossoms, and the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about in the streets. So this idea, or this metaphor of a dilapidated home in verse 3, the keepers of the house are a man's arms. When you go into the gym, all the guys are... uh, using the the weights to build up their arms and build up their chest. Uh, Very few are on the the leg press because they want their arms to be strong to impress the girls. And the arms are what uh, we use 
to protect ourselves. You know, the arms are what we use to earn a living. And he says here in verse 3 that the keepers of the house are arms tremble uh, when we get older just to pick up a, a, a pitcher of water our, our hands can shake because we don't have the strength that we had when we were younger and um, the strong men who stoop are a person's legs that once ran and jumped but now they can no longer carry a person's body weight when I was younger I ran a mile in five minutes and seven seconds. When I was in college, I cut my arm on the goal just above the elbow or just below the elbow. Now I can't touch the rim. Age catches up with you. Age um, begins hindering your body. And then he says the... the, 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 the um, the strong men who stoop, talking about a person's legs, can't carry their own body weight as they continue to grow older. The grinders cease. Well, we know what that is. They cease because they are few. Or missing our teeth. If it wasn't for the mass, the the, the great uh, handiwork of of um, Matt Fox, I'd be missing a lot more of mine. And then he says in verse 3 that they can't see real well. Those who look through the windows are dimmed. Our eyesight gets worse. And then as we continue to grow older, we're easily startled. So he says that we're startled even by the singing of a bird. Uh, And we begin to... speak softly because our vocal cords are weakened. We become afraid of the heights. We become afraid of the dangers in the streets. And then the the, um, almond tree blossoms. Well, the almond tree has white blossoms. Talking about gray hair. (laughs) That's what it's talking about here. And then the grasshopper that's known for hopping has to drag itself along. And then after that, we die. Look at verse 6, how suddenly death comes before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern. And each each of these metaphors uh, and, and images is sudden is quick, is irreversible. Once the cistern is broken, no more grinding takes place. Once the golden bowl is broken, it can't be used anymore. And so, he says, young people, remember Him in your youth. He is your Creator. How dare you forget Him and then have to stand before Him one day and give answer for why you forgot Him. God might say, the preacher preached. Why didn't you listen? Remember Him in the days of your youth. An older generation, I want to say to you, God never forgets. He always 
remembers you. In John chapter 6, verses 39 through 40, Jesus says, And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Sometimes it might seem like God has forgotten you. Sometimes it might seem that God's eye is not upon you. Sometimes it might seem that that one cloud is stacked on top of another, stacked on top of another, and you can't ever see another blue, clear sky again. Your God remembers you. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. The Lord Jesus Christ will raise you up on that last day. And your body might feel as dilapidated as that house that Solomon paints for us here. It might feel like your body is falling down all around you. Well, I want you to listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1-5. through 5. He says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, I pray that all the young people here would remember their Creator in their youth, would remember that He is the one who gave them life, that He is the one who redeemed them from their sins, that He is the one who has guaranteed their life with Him for eternity and eternity. God, I pray that You would help the older among us to remember that You always remember us, that You will never forget us, that when we are going through the difficulties of life, when our uh, body is growing weaker and weaker, that Your grace is sufficient. Lord, we long to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. And so we cry out, come Lord Jesus. We ask this in His name. Amen.